0: One of the most interesting things that I've learned being in the system for as long as I've been in the system, I've been a defense attorney now for 10 years and I was a prosecutor for the five years prior to becoming a defense attorney, is very few people are telling the truth. That's the, the, I guess, the most disheartening thing about the system. The system is built on uh, a great many um, lies. And everybody's telling them so it's it's not as if um, uh, you have it from one side and you don't have it from other sides. The primary lie starts from folks who are accused of committing the offense. Forget the fact that they say oh I didn't do it, I didn't do it, and then later on you find out that they made a full confession to the detectives on DVD or the drugs were in their pocket or whatever else is going on. When it is time for a person to be sentenced, and most crimes aren't very, very serious crimes where people are going to prison forever and ever. A lot of crimes are just crimes where folks are just going to get uh, some period of probation. But when the sentence, sentencing, when we get to the sentencing phase, the judge will often talk to the client, the defendant, the accused, that's all the same person. Uh, and, the, and the judge will ask them some questions. And most of the clients that I have represented, not all, but most of the clients, don't tell the judge the truth. And I don't know if it's because they don't know the truth or because they're not being honest with themselves. But what they should be telling the judge is, I am underemployed and, and or I have a drug addiction or both. Um, I, I have trouble in school. I need to be tested. Uh, I need to really get some training so that I can find some meaningful work. That's what they need to say. And if most of the people in the system say that, what will happen is the system will respond by creating job training and drug rehab. There is no job training and drug rehab because when people come to court, they always say the same thing. I'm going back to school which is something they think the judge likes to hear. I found God or Jesus or religion or I'm going back to church, which they think uh, is something that the judge wants to hear. It was a momentary lapse in judgment. As long as you're talking about momentary lapses in judgment, or you're talking about religion or God, or you're talking about I'm going back to school, uh, as if you've already put the plan in motion then all the judge does is say, okay, I'm going to place you on probation and you'll go you'll answer to a probation officer. Then no programs are going to be constructed because you're not telling the judge ultimately that you need a program. And so, if and when you come back, uh, the next phase after you've uh, violated your probation with a new offense is the judge wants to send you to jail. Then people want to talk about, oh, uh, incarceration is just warehousing, I'm not going to do anything, I'm not going to learn anything. But the first go round, you didn't say that you needed job training. You didn't say that you'd like to be tested to see if you're dyslexic since you have such a hard time reading. You didn't say I needed uh, drug rehab. So the system is still not has still not built a drug rehab facility because nobody has said that they needed drug rehab. Uh, It still has not built uh, a a job training program because nobody's admitting to that, and here you are again. Well, what the system has built is jail and prisons. And so that's all that they really have left. Um, I say that there are multiple people being dishonest because there are many judges that will recognize that that even the second or third go-round, this person has a drug problem and they would love to put the person in some type of drug rehab facility but it's not available. Many of the judges won't say, I'd love to put you in a drug rehab facility but it's not available so I'm going to send you to jail. Uh, What they do is they play a little game where the judges will say, well, you know, this is the third time that you've appeared. It doesn't appear that you are are learning. Uh, You keep committing crimes. They don't say you keep using drugs, you got a drug problem, they say you keep committing crime. And when you when you talk in that type of language, you keep committing crime, well then the judge is comfortable and free to send you ultimately to jail or to prison because you continue to commit crimes. It makes sense that you're going to prison if you continue to, to commit crimes versus if in fact you continue uh, to use drugs or you continue to do something else. So ultimately, uh, the judge in that regard, I always feel, is, is, is being a little dishonest. The prosecutors oftentimes, prosecutors are being dishonest because they don't really know what happened. The, the prosecutor relies on the police. Many times the police don't know what happened. Um, they just get stories from different people, and the prosecutor really doesn't know what's going on. But what the prosecutor does, which is very unique, I don't know that many prosecutors even realize that they're doing it, uh, what prosecutors do is prosecutors, um, uh, prosecutors insofar as you have friends um, will, will view your having friends, especially friends that you have for a long period of time as a vouching for the credibility of those friends. In other words, if you, in fact, are arrested in a car with two others who are selling drugs or who have committed a robbery, uh, and then you tell the police, oh yeah, I've known so-and-so, even though you don't know his real name, you just know him as Black or Peanut, I've known so-and-so for two or three or four years, I know his mama, he knows my family, uh, and you say the same thing with the other person whose last name you don't know, for example, I've known him for so and so many years. Well, the prosecutor's position is, if you've known these two guys for three or four years, then you should know their character. So when the prosecutor decides to charge you with, uh, uh, as a party to a crime, sale of cocaine, because uh, one or two of those sold to an undercover, or uh, robbery, because those two jumped out and uh, snatched somebody's wallet, um, the prosecutor is real comfortable charging you with that. Now, in layman's terms, everybody's heard the term, you'll, you'll be judged by the company you keep. Well, the prosecutor uses that same sort of philosophy. If you're with these folks, you vouch for their character and you vouch for their credibility. Because if you found, if you learn, you find out that they are not credible people, they lack good character, you should separate yourself from them. Uh, and that's how the prosecutor uh, sort of proceeds. So, the prosecutor doesn't know what's going on ultimately when three folks are brought in and they're charged with robbery. Um, But the prosecutor views each of them to the extent they view each other as friends, as vouching for each other. So, when one who's been friends with you for three or four years says, when he wants to cut a deal with the prosecutor, that you did know about the sale of drugs, or you, in fact, did. Um, and know about the robbery, there's no reason for the prosecutor to not believe that. Now, ultimately, a jury may not believe it when you go to trial, but there's no reason for the prosecutor not to believe that. give you an example even just from my own life. Uh, If, in fact, uh, the person that I am married to, my wife, uh, for 25 years, goes into the prosecutor's office now, we have have, a few children together, uh, and she goes in to see the prosecutor, she tells the prosecutor on, today is uh, June the 2nd, 2010, back on February 9th of 2010, uh, my husband, Lawrence Lewis, raped me. Okay, well, the prosecutor's going to find that odd uh, here in Georgia. They're going to find that odd, number one. Why'd you wait so long? Uh, and if she can give them a plausible reason, uh, well, he controls the finances, or or he doesn't allow me to have a cell phone, or I was afraid of him, or I had to set up some other things. If she can explain why the delay between January 9, 2010 and June the 2, 2nd, 2010, and that's all she really has to explain, if she can explain why there is the delay, the police are gonna come and they're gonna put handcuffs on me. Why would they come and put handcuffs on me? Because here you have a, a seemingly normal woman College educated, graduate school educated. Uh, she's been with; they've been together for 25 years. They have children together. Why would she, all of a sudden, out the blue, accuse her husband of rape? And the law says, can you rape your wife? Absolutely, absolutely, we can rape your wife. So if my wife goes to the prosecutor uh, in the county we live in and says to the prosecutor, "Hey, this is what happened. He raped me." <coughs> and can give the prosecutor satisfactory, e- satisfactory explanation for why there has been the delay uh, of being arrested. Now, we already know there's going to be plenty of DNA in the bedroom, so that's not going to prove anything because we're married. So that's not going to prove anything and they may, they may look at her and, and they're not going to be able to determine uh, uh, whether or not um, there was any type of force used uh, back from January, uh, January 9, 2010. And the most important thing, as far as the is concerned, the fact that I have been with her for 25 years, the fact that we were together for 10 or 15 years before we had even our first child, I vouch for her credibility. I vouch for her character, because if she was unfit, I should have left her a long time ago. Um, and so people, clients, Defendants, clients who are involved in domestic violence issues uh, where the wife calls up 911 and they're wondering, well, why, won't, why doesn't the prosecutor drop the charges? Why are they trying to convince her to testify? They don't believe that the woman has any reason ultimately to lie. If she's a liar, then you as a man, you need to go pack up your stuff and uh, ultimately uh, go and do something else. And so I guess that's the entire point. Of uh, this uh, this version this 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 portion of the podcast, the law is not something mysterious and mystical. It is the way in which we govern ourselves, and if in fact we do not govern ourselves accordingly, it is the way in which uh, we should be punished. It outlines the punishment. Type of punishment, the length of punishments that should be doled out if, in fact, the person doesn't govern themselves in an appropriate way. And by governing ourselves, it means not just what we do, but who we associate ourselves with. And if you take no, no other point from the podcast, take this point from the podcast. If, in fact, you have friends, the longer you keep that friend's company, years, uh, decades, uh, the longer you keep your wife's company, she's viewed as your ultimate friend, uh, or your roommate's company, or your brother's company after you're 18, because you're free to choose associated with your family members or not, the longer you keep that person's company, the more you vouch for their credibility and their character. So if you know that they are not a credible or a person of good character, you need to separate yourself because if they get in trouble and they see their escape as being, uh, as, as, as if they see their escape as, if they see that the way that they can escape is to offer you up, they're going to offer you up. And the fact that you kept their company for such a long time is your way of vouching for their credibility and, in fact, their character. Wish you the best of luck. Take care.